Welcome to Nationwide Market Insights for March 31st, 2023. What are the financial market impacts from the recent banking stress? The banking industry has experienced several challenges recently, and the ripple effects have impacted the Fed's tightening cycle, the financial markets, and the overall economy. What contributed to the recent challenges in the banking industry? What are the short-term and long-term impacts on banks? And how have these challenges impacted the Fed, the financial markets, and the overall economy? This is Brian Kirk, and today we are joined by Nationwide's financial market economist, Scott Murray, and senior investment professional, Artur Piper, who specializes in the credit analysis of the banking sector. Scott and Artur will provide their analysis of these recent challenges and the potential economic and financial market impacts. Let's start with how we got here. Regional banks have consolidated significantly over the past 40 years. According to the FDIC, in 1984 the amount of banking institutions was roughly 15,000. Today, there are less than 5,000. Artur can you help us understand how this transformation may have set the stage for the current banking crisis? So uh, there was lots of uh, consolidation when I started to cover the industry in 2003. It was the seven and a half thousand FDA insured banks, and uh, like you mentioned, now we're in 23, it's uh, over 4,000. So uh, basically, bank consolidate for a different reason, uh, extend our footprints, become more profitable, and. Uh, Sometimes when you have a crisis or, or, or close to the crisis in, in the banking industry, when uh, uh, tangible book value uh, collapses, or, or uh, and then then there's more suitors trying to buy uh, smaller banks. So that was the past, and uh, obviously a great financial crisis also uh, helped uh, to consolidate the industry. I mean, we had like uh, 7,000 banks, I think, in 2008, if I remember correctly coming like um, right now 4100 so uh, that's uh, that's one thing and uh, the the current situation actually there was a uh, lots of rules were actually written after great financial crisis we have a finally Basel 3 with a Basel 4 coming in uh, in Europe right now and gonna be in the US in the next few years but uh, there was um, <clears throat> a rule making and uh, after financial crisis and uh, banks had to um, adjust their behavior or, or, or balance sheet and how they operate and everything. So so I think that um, if you think it from perspective of uh, of the current crisis, so the rules will help to uh, to really uh, uh, prevent any, any situation like we have a like a massive financial crisis like we have 2007, 8 and 9. And uh, unfortunately, the, the the situation we're right now in in March, so that's kind of uh, idiosyncratic. I don't think that's a kind of a pertain entire industry. I mean, there was a situation where really certain institutions are so much different than uh, than broader broader uh, banking system, and then that's that's when uh, Silicon Valley comes to play. This is such a different uh, institution; it's very narrow uh, footprint, actually focusing on technology components and life science uh, components and uh, technology in different early stages and uh, from that perspective the, the the bank was really just focusing on this industry in, uh, in San Francisco area and then growing rapidly and then uh, 
through pandemic, actually their deposit tripled and balance sheet was, I think, doubled really quick to over 200 billion. So uh, that's a very unique, very unique situation. When we think about banking and these banks, smaller and larger overall, we think about footprint, we think about just regular retail deposit, we think about banking operating in the different sectors in CNI, commercial industrial loans, and then CRE and uh, lending people lending money all around here is a real concentration and an unsecured deposit as well so uh, so this is a very unique situation so you have some kind of i mean this kind of banks another example would be banks which can operate let's say in energy sectors and they are focused on much on energy and they can be provider of funding and liquidity for energy energy sector and so really tied to that sector but uh, uh i think that's a broader group overall overall banks overall just uh, just to focus on the broader economy and then just uh, uh, providing funding liquidity to um, and lending to to retail and commercial so like i said there was a very unique situation with the uh, silicon valley bank and uh, obviously a mismatch of of uh, alm inside of the bank was uh, was very significant so that's uh, holding very long. Uh, uh, Treasury is actually, I think, uh, duration of these uh, portfolios 5.7, which is a uh, pretty long versus uh, versus average bank, and then losses on uh, available for sale and also uh, on on held to maturities uh, uh, materialized in, in in some point, and as as rates went up so much. Uh, uh, from uh, nothing in, in March of last year to to five percent right now, so that's uh, that's uh, caused these uh, unrealized losses on held uh, to maturities and so in banks actually warn uh, there's a there was a profit warning. I mean they they issued the new guidance in the, in early 2023 and then. Uh, because of that, <clears throat> there was a, a action, a potential action, uh, in downgrade from uh, from rating agencies, and uh, bank decided uh, to to uh, to liquidate this portfolio because uh, they uh, they would prevent them from uh, from two uh, notch downgrade. They expected only one, and uh, because of that, they incurred these losses on uh, on this uh, securities, and that. Uh, <clears throat> that caused that uh, they basically decided to issue equities to retain stronger uh, uh, common equity tier one, and uh, unfortunately, you know, their tangible equities also uh, collapsed because the uh, TC is uh, calculated based on the uh, uh, entire balance sheet with the uh, unrealized losses as well. So, if you look at it from perspective of of, of liquidity, they had good liquidity in some point that, that could really go to the to the uh, various um, places where would, would get liquidity. So uh, one of them would be Federal Home Loan Bank uh, or discount window. And we know that Fed discount window has also stigma assigned. So, and in the end of what I'm reading, what I found that actually they were bouncing around between uh, uh, Fed in San Francisco and, and, uh, uh, and the Federal Home Loan Bank because uh, they tried to pull this some some liquidity from from one of these institutions and unfortunately they came too late and what was very unusual that friday uh that uh actually uh, fdic stepped in and during the day they closed the bank normally this always happened after four and then bank reopened under a different name in the monday morning so it was very unusual i think it was a uh, early afternoon when when actually 
banks was uh, was seized. Um, but that's kind of uh, one thing with the coming into, you know, like uh, uh, from from the shrinking overall banks and then imposing new regulation after after great financial crisis. And like I like I look at it specific uh, specifically on the Silicon Valley. So. So we had all this regulation in place, and they are really good. Uh, I believe that uh, that I think there was a significant mismatch over here just because of that bank. So I don't see this as like a something would pertain entire industry. And then obviously consequences what's happened after, and what we have run on the banks or, or shifting in deposits and looking at federal reserves and and tools they provide i mean that's kind of uh still um, you know just a lots of moving parts in that in the entire banking sector but uh but if you think about if we're thinking about the genesis of the crisis i think specifically i mean from uh, silicon valley I mean, there was a very unfortunate you know like uh, <clears throat> events over there and like uh, trying to find liquidity at the same time being impacted by um, decline in tangible common equity and then uh, potential downgrades and then lack of issuance, lack of uh, possibility of issuing of equities because actually market uh, seeing that that one at, that the bank tried to issue um, common equities that also uh, make investor nervous in addition of the of the declining in deposits because of this life science and technology companies were uh, actually pulling deposits because of 2022 was much tougher than prior years so they were uh, so actually deposits of the bank declined so there was a combination of of, of of few factors over here and then so like I mentioned one thing is a consolidation of industry second would be we had a decent regulations after a financial crisis and then uh, and all these things uh, I mean we have a situation like like the bank which is sizable with 200 billion over over 200 billion assets, which kind of mismanaged its, its own uh, uh, management and then have some missteps. And then in digital world, when you know you don't need much, it's not the same run on a bank like we have in 2008 with Northern Ireland in the UK where people were lining up. These days you can simply shift deposits um, from the bank to bank really quick. So, and this is what's happened. And the consequences are after. Thank you for that perspective, Artur. Looking back, the GDP print for Q4 showed that the financial services industry was a significant drag on the economy. And this year, there's a potential for mass layoffs. Scott, let's turn to your insight on the economy. In what ways could the banking crisis impact the real economy? Great, great question, and thanks for for the opportunity to be with you today here, Brian, and and your audience. Really want to jump in. Uh, let's talk about employment first. That's I think one of the, the 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 questions we have about the economy right now. We continue to see very strong uh, employment numbers. Is that going to continue? Is this crisis going to impact it? We expect that, right? We expect that there is going to be banks that are going to have to reallocate maybe some more consolidation in the banking sector. And, you know, it's been a sector that really hasn't grown a lot, right? If you go back over the last 10 years, uh, really the still the peak employment, I should say 15 years, the real peak employment 
is back in 07, 08, we really haven't even achieved that level. So it's good news that the banks are more efficient, but uh, you know uh, we haven't had a lot of growth there. And this, I think, will again again be another uh, uh, negative. And so I would not ex I would not be surprised with that. But the other one we really do want to uh, uh, keep our eyes on also is investment. Regional banks are a very important driver of home building, uh, small business loans, and those really are going to be under pressure. Not just the interest rates are being are higher because of the Fed, but the appetite to take on risk. You know, Dodd Frank really changed the nature of the uh, risk uh, profiles for uh, banks and what the regulators thought was appropriate. And with constraints there, we've continued to see last decade and even today, we see the limits on their ability to invest in small businesses and invest in housing. And you could say that that's contributed to the building, uh, lack of building growth right now. Uh, along with the affordability issue for people. So looking ahead, that's going to continue to be a drag uh, on uh, the economy. People are going to struggle. Businesses are going to struggle to get new loans. And when you have weakness in getting new loans, building gro uh, growth of uh, uh, investment, new company generation, all those important elements that small business does for the economy, it does impact employment in the circular method through jobs and also the people who have those jobs and their spending. So if they're not getting the jobs, then I think it's going to be a drag on spending uh, going forward. Mm -hmm. So it's already, it's been an industry that's been under focus uh, over the last 15 years from the great financial recession. And I think this just, you know, uh, strengthens the spotlight on it and makes them even more unwilling to take on very important business loans uh, for our economy. You mentioned those high interest rates. You know, the Fed tightening cycle that started in 2022 was much more pronounced than we've seen in previous tightening cycles. Artur, how did this impact the banking industry? Yeah, so overall, uh, banks actually entered this uh, time period with the overall very strong balance sheet and uh, and lots of deposits and uh, very liquid balance sheet overall, and solid reserves at the, at the Fed. So, thing is that uh, um, actually pre-pandemic level of uh, loans to deposits was uh, for the banking industry somewhere in like low 70s. So, and then. Uh, and then actually that collapsed to uh, to to like uh, mid fifties, uh, and then right now we are in like maybe low sixties. So because of out of deposit, but if you think about when we started pre-pandemic, and then it was like uh, maybe thirteen, thirteen and a half trillion of deposits versus uh, eighteen uh, on a peak and like declining slightly right now. So still banks are in 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 good shape from that perspective. Obviously. One thing is uh, uh, concentration of deposits because if you think about money center bank, large banks, which are like a flush with deposits. I mean, we we know what's happened really in March when uh, when there was a shift from uh, smaller um, smaller banks from deposits from smaller banks to large banks. So they actually even gain 
uh, gain uh, more deposits. But uh, but loan to deposit in large banks is in the, some of them are 50s. I mean, I think JP Morgan is like a barely 51% with the, some uh, smaller regional banks with over 80. So so concentration of deposit is, is very important, but overall as, as a sector, as an industry, so there's still lots of deposits. If you think about the entire plumbing system, I would call with the you know Fed and how reserves flows and then deposits. So there's uh, there's there are tools uh, which were implemented by by Fed. So one of them is a uh, is a reverse repo uh, program, which really actually allow right now banks uh, or, or money markets actually um, you know just to place money with the, with the Fed. So it's very useful for them, and this is what causes out of a deposit right now. If you think about old days, like in, uh, let's say 20 years ago, and when uh, we had a 2A7 program even here in Nationwide, so we, I mean, the money would stay in the bank because uh, money markets would basically buy 2A7 program from from a commercial provider and then, and then or for, for banking institution or even like a, from a, from a industrial company and that money would stay still in the bank. And right now, that uh, that actually is bargain effect. So this is one tool which is causing that deposit outflow from the bank. But like I mentioned, that deposit is still uh, abundant in, in 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 overall. So we we not you know just we still far away from from the from the level even pre-pandemic. But the thing is that deposit beta, which is movement of of the pricing of deposit versus um, pricing of the interest rates, Fed. Fed uh, Fed funds and it's 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 is more correlated right now. So beta is going up, and this cause that um, basically bank will have to compete for deposit. Normally, you, you, we haven't seen that for uh, for actually last uh, year per year and a half. I mean, because there was so much deposit around through pandemic, so bank, banks actually were not willing to even increase any. You know, and and interest on on deposits. So right now we are seeing that, and it's slowly picking up. And then it's going to be more competition for deposits. But overall, I think that um, we need to really look at that specifically how the system operates. So you have a big, large, money center banks, and they have deposit level is, is is massive over there versus smaller banks. And then you go to uh, to banks which is like even below 100 billions and uh that's even could be situation even tougher over there so and from that perspective i i think that uh lending standards will go up banks will have to watch their liquidities um much more careful so it's going to be as we know it's going to be new rules imposed actually uh term sheet from white house was released uh i think this morning today then there's a talk about uh, more stringent regulation so I think that liquidity um, is going to be the most important, obviously with the capital insolvency, but liquidity is going to be a very important uh, portion of the entire new regulations and then how bank will have to operate and how uh, liquidity coverage ratio is going to be imposed on on, on, on broader spectrum of, of, uh, of companies or of banks. So that's uh, uh, definitely there's going to be a significant impact and also uh, um, like Scott mentioned, I mean that's uh, uh, it's going to be vulner- vulnerability. I mean it's uh, mid-sized regional banks and smaller, and even community banks are big providers of of, of loans for 
small and medium uh, enterprises in US, SMEs and and for retail, for CREs and CNI loans. So it, we can see, um, um, you know, just uh, less available credits for and this uh, part of the economy. Thank you, Artur. Uh, you know, you mentioned that the banks are starting to raise their lending standards. And that's one of the many warning signs that we're watching. In fact, our economists are forecasting a recession that could begin later this year or early in 2024. Scott, what else can you share about this forecast? And in what ways could the stresses in the banking industry cause the Fed to end its tightening cycle early? Yeah, I think that's really a, a huge question. It's a question that was directly uh, put to Chair Powell uh, at the latest meeting. And he, you know, again, emphasized that job one for the Fed right now is inflation, controlling prices, recognizing how that impacts the uh consumer. So we want to, you know, emphasize that we're taking them at their word in terms of that. And he also emphasized that the system, the banking system is safe. So I think they are monitoring it. I think they recognize that there have been some uh, uh, stresses and those stresses will play through and have already started as you mentioned with the latest uh, GDP number, they've already started accumulating in the economy. So as we look forward, we still expect uh, the slowdown to come. It takes a bit. It's not the uh, uh, quick uh, fix. We do think that there still are are inflation, the likelihood of service inflation, housing, even with the numbers that we've just gotten from uh, recently for February still show up very, uh, especially on the service side of the equation. We think that that's going to you know, persist, meaning the Fed is going to continue to look to tighten. Uh, we still we see one more hike. Uh, uh, coming. And then we do see that the accumulation of these hikes, the accumulation of uh, struggles that the banks are having are going to lead to uh, negative economic growth as we finish up this year and we, we go to next year. So at that point, I do think the Fed is going to be still monitoring the, the situation as banks work through, uh, you know, changing their strategies and adjusting to the uh, new regulation and be mindful of that. And I think as we get into uh, next year, uh, the risks are going to be moving from more tightening to an easing uh, approach. So it's going to be an effect uh, on the Fed, but I still think that the focus of the Fed activity is, is inflation. And we do think that that uh, focus will uh, uh, cause a weak economic growth and a recession as we uh, end this year and go into next. Yeah, there certainly has been great attention on the banking industry recently. Artur, in your role as a senior investment professional, you perform credit analysis on the banking sector. So from your perspective, is this a watershed event on the banking industry? And if so, what could the industry look, look like in five years? Yeah, it's an interesting and broad question, really. But uh, like I mentioned, I, I I think that the regulations were uh, pretty decent uh, post-financial crisis. There was a, 
I think that there's going to be new uh, regulation, like I mentioned, there's going to be uh, more stringent regulation per uh, what we received this morning. And uh, there was a very unique situation, but basically uh, the bank, which was very much different than uh, than most uh, banks in the U.S., I mean, actually run on that bank and also second bank in New York, Signature Bank, which caused this situation where we're really going to have an exp- expansion of the, of the regulation in a much broader sense. I mean, so if you think about it in the past, actually, the easy go regulation was in 2019. They call this tailoring rules and what basically just the slice and dice banking industry and then the, the, the most stringent regulation pertain banks uh, like a G, the, 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 the largest money center banks. There was a regulations for banks between 750 to 250, then 250 and 100 billions and, and banks below. So this overall event just uh, helped uh, or, or speed up the process of the of the imposing additional regulation because regulation uh, basically a regulator already worked in 2022 on a new regulation and imposing on on smaller banks uh, requirements which imposes like a, a billionable capital on their on, uh, for for these banks so. And that that events of the March of this year, of this year basically speed up the entire process. So, right now we're gonna have a more banks with with a more stress test banks with the more with a full resolution plans, banks with the more more stringent liquidity requirements, with the counterparty limits. So all this is gonna be imposed on most likely on banks of 100 billion plus. So this is kind of interesting that you know it's just basically the event of the of this month speed up the entire process or even increased it. What what the Fed and the FDIC and OCC were really uh, contemplating uh, in 2022. So give them a uh, green lights and and just speed up everything. But to that, <clears throat> I, I need to mention really, but also that very important is that uh, you know, what what Fed provided with the bank and funding program because if we even think about situation with the uh, and, uh, Silicon Valley banks so the, the, the big the big program was that that basically um, the standing group of facility which basically was implemented uh, a few years ago but was really uh, um, only uh, only access to that uh, uh, standing group of facility which is uh, SRF called uh, was only for uh, money center banks and also for uh, um, uh, mutual funds, so uh, money markets funds. So it was very uh, interesting that that, that that facility was expensive, and and regional banks decided not to uh, to enter this facility because it was a tripartite repo involved. So if that if that standing repo facility would be uh, available for for uh, for regional banks, we could actually avoid. The situation with the Silicon Valley Bank and and the bank would be kind of in still distressed situation, but may may not may avoid the run on the bank. So there's lots of uh, tools in 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 the system already. It's just a matter of using this in pr- proper way and allowing the banks to really kind of uh, channel this uh, for for liquidity needs. So so when they came with the bank term funding program right now, so that really kind of. Uh, Helped and really alleviated this uh, liquidity <clears throat> constraints, 
and kind of uh, become better tool than a standing repo facility, which actually regional banks avoided because they don't deal in the repo market as much as money center banks. And they really didn't want that because it's really costly and because of tripartite repo and having entire platform. So the thing is that on one hand, we had already tools which if they would be used by broader, uh, I mean, more names in the industry, not only money center banks. So we could basically probably avoid certain like runs on the banks or situation as much as as distressed as we we found ourselves in March. So this is one thing that we're tools in a, already in a, in a Fed uh, different program and and and, and you know like uh, repos facilities which could really alleviate, but not everything was was used. So so on one hand we're gonna have a much stringent regulation imposed. These um, facilities which we have right now, SRF and uh, Bank 10 funding program should should be still here. We still, still have a discount window where bank can, can go to the discount window. And also we have a, a federal home on banks and they obviously accept uh, many securities and uh, and then obviously MBSs and uh, treasuries and everything. So this is another source of liquidity for the entire system. So I think that uh, yeah, it's 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 you know just a just broad answer, but uh, I think that tools are there, liquidity from Fed could be provided. Bank, we need to think about how they want to approach this, which program would be good for them to avoid run on a bank. And on the other hand, we're gonna have a stringent regulation with a stronger solvency and capital regulation and stronger uh, liquidity requirements and the counterparty limits and resolution plans. So everything, I believe, banks over 100 billion. Thank you, Artur. We're gonna go ahead and wrap it up there. I wanna say thank you to Artur and Scott for sharing your insight on this very timely topic. We're very fortunate to have you on our team. And to our audience, join us next time as we hear from the author of the quarterly Nationwide Market Insights Report, Brian Jordan. This report is filled with wonderful insight and analysis and Brian will highlight key pages and provide additional perspective. So make sure you subscribe so you can be notified when each episode is released. Until next time, for Nationwide Market Insights, this is Brian Kirk. The information provided by Nationwide Economics is general in nature and not intended as investment or economic advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any security or adopt any investment strategy. Additionally, it does not take into account any specific investment objectives, tax, or financial condition, or particular needs of any specific person. The economic and market forecasts reflect our opinion as of the date of this report and are subject to change without notice. These forecasts show a broad range of possible outcomes. Because they are subject to high levels of uncertainty, they will not reflect actual performance. We obtain certain information from sources deemed reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, completeness, or fairness. Nationwide and the Nationwide Inn and Eagle are service marks of the Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company. Copyright 2023, Nationwide.